fantasies, pulsing swells, them who knows them, seven tales, on distant reefs, on fatal shores, heroes and heroines from days of yore, they live on the fringes, pack mondo cones, orbs of mortal conequence, pulverizing bones, adventures and nightmares for young and old. These are the greatest stories never Today's episode of The Greatest Stories Never Told will be read by the great 7,000-time Gold Cone Piece award-winning surf journalist, Matt George. It features Lane Beachley and it comes from his book, In Deep, which you can buy by hitting the link in the show notes. Story 25. Ice Blue Eyes. Lane Beachley knows her name. Surfer Magazine, USA. 2000. Lane Beachley's courage has never been questioned, but to me, in this fragile moment, I saw a courage in her that went far, far deeper than any of her athletic feats. M.G. Lane Beachley and I once held hands on the far side of the world. It was in the shade of a coconut palm a lifetime ago. She and I sat on the sand of a Mentawai Island beach, 100 nautical miles off West Sumatra, waiting for the offshore wind to pick up at a surf spot called Hollow Trees. We were surrounded by a covey of Mentawai village children. The kids would mimic our every move, hourglassing handfuls of sand, hugging their knees and burying their feet, and toying with the small hermit crabs that peppered the beach. The kids were fascinated with Lane's ice-blue eyes, Through sign language, they were saying that her eyes were the color of the sea and that the sea must be inside her. I remember thinking that was just about the truest statement I'd ever known. The soft land breeze was made for conversation, and Lane was trying to share something with me. I'd never seen her so uneasy. It was about her mother, her biological mother, the woman whom she'd seen for the first time in her life just two months earlier. After years of searching, she'd finally met up with her mother at San Francisco International between flights. There, they'd spent the only two hours they would ever spend together. In that two hours, Lane's mother tried to explain a few things. Lane learned that her mother was a teenage gang rape victim who had become pregnant with Lane as a result of the attack. And being a single mother in Australia in 1972 wasn't fashionable, Lane said. Fortunately for me, neither was abortion. Left behind in a Sydney hospital, born six weeks premature, Lane survived, alone. Her mother had fled to New Zealand and then on to the United States, where she disappeared from the face of the earth. Twenty-seven years and four marriages later, this woman met Lane at an airport bar in San Francisco, just to tell Lane how proud she was of her daughter's achievements. This woman had secretly followed Lane's life from afar, 
following through surfing magazines and Australian newspapers and whispered favors from the trusted friends back in Oz. Lane told me this woman's name, Maggie. I knew a time when Lane had to hold two jobs to support her surfing career. Surf shop by day, barmaid by night. A lousy apartment. Out on the pro tour, she had to stay in run-down youth hostels, sleeping with all her surfboards leashed to her ankles, ready to clash with anyone who tried to steal her boards. And she did. A time when she was vilified by the men on the tour, made to feel freakish and repugnant. They gave her a nickname, The Beast. She couldn't get a date to save her life. She went for four years without being hugged or kissed by a single soul. Four years in the prime of her life. It was her loneliest time in a lifetime of loneliness. Stressed emotionally, financially, and physically, Lane was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome and ordered to take months of bed rest. But she didn't. She couldn't. She had to fight on. And she went on to become the best female surfer the world had ever seen. All I'd ever had was my backbone to lean on, she said. I remember sitting in the quiet with her on that exotic beach after hearing her story, thinking about the miracles that the surfing life can perform, about the places it can take you, about the adventures it affords, about the hope it can give and the lives it can save, lives like Lane Beachley's. That was Lane to me at that moment, only her backbone to lean on, imposing her will on the world against long odds. As we sat there, she was 28 years old and on her way to her fourth world title. The woman sitting next to me on that beach seemed to bring with her wherever she went all the history and hopes of every powerful woman who has ever existed. Plenty achieved trophies, but only a few achieved royalty. A queen to Kelly Slater's king and all Aussie pride. Despite the challenges of life, Lane was the irrepressible spearhead of surfing suffragette movement long before it was cool. The very movement that would eventually alter the entire surfing industry and alter the way every one of us would look at women in the lineup. And considering the fact that Lane is a woman who stands only five foot four, and considering the fact that she would eventually go on to tow into 60-foot waves, and considering the fact that she would go on to be the only woman on earth searching for the 100-foot wave with the rest of the Billabong Odyssey boys, considering all that, I believe at that time, I was sitting on the beach with the most courageous surfer on the planet. At that time, Lane held the Holy Grail, multiple world titles, and that which all women pray for, respect. Still a sufferer of chronic fatigue syndrome, yet pound for pound, one of the physically strongest athletes in the world. Unlike other heroes who have come and gone, the woman sitting next to me on that beach was more than a woman. She was a symbol, a tattoo on surfing's history, the living personification of the only three things that will ever make an athlete great, that will ever make the world great, strength, wisdom, and achievement. I learned my real birth name from her, though, Lane said. Snapping out of it, I could only raise my eyebrows. Lane waited a minute, arranging the seashells at her feet, and then softly she said, 
my real name is Tanya Maris. And this is when the tears began to well in the corner of those magnificent ice-blue eyes. And that is when this powerful woman next to me, this sporting icon, was alone in this world all over again. And that is when I gently reached out and took Lane's hand in mine on the far side of the world. I could feel her racing heartbeat through her palm, urgent as a captured bird. And we sat quietly among the children and the seashells and the hermit crabs, staring out at the surf, waiting for the offshore wind. <laughs> 